Uh, but uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserve, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. So uh, his meritorious works uh, to the cross uh, for us in our place, and that, that righteousness imputed to us uh, is the pure gospel. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Hey, you're listening to Table Talk Radio with Evan Gigline and Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Pastor, how are you today? Good. I've got a microphone and a cup of coffee. I'm ready to go, I've man. I've got my cup of coffee, too. You know, uh, we're doing this, even though our listeners are probably hearing this, uh, I don't know, in the evening or something. Uh, we're actually recording this at like 7 in the morning, which is way too early for any seminarian. Evan likes to do it early, though, so he has that low, deep voice. <laughs> Hello, Table Talk listeners. Hello. Yeah, so I, so I sound like a like a, a jazz music DJ. That was... Uh... <laughs> nice. Starting out uh, today on Table Talk Radio, we're playing uh, the regular the regular game here, probably the staple of Table Talk Radio, Table Talk Jeopardy. And then after that... My favorite game. Of course. Uh, then after that, we're playing a new game, Name That Century. This is Pastor Wolfmother's new attempt to bring in church history to Table Talk Radio, hoping it won't crash and burn like the others. Yeah. Oh, these have been terrible. Church history is <laughs> a tough one to bring into a kind of fast-paced, entertaining <laughs> game, but we'll give this one a shot and see how it goes. Sure. And then after that, uh, Who Wants to Be a Theologian? Um, this time I'm in the hot seat. Uh, for the first time ever, Evan's going to give it a shot. I know we're going to have to add some extra lifelines for that. <laughs> well, the problem is that's the one game that if you lose, you're out. So uh, we didn't want to put me in because this, the segment, you know, <laughs> we couldn't feel the whole time. So <laughs> <laughs> Have a backup plan. We'll see how that goes. Oh, boy. And also a brand new game later, uh, the last segment of the program, Answer the Question As... We ask a, a theological question, and we have someone uh, answer it in, in different views. Uh, so that'll be great for that. Well, Table Talk Jeopardy, uh, Pastor, my categories for you are contemporary cults or teachings of Rome. Okay, Evan, and for you, I have two choices uh, uh, animals of the Bible or the six chief parts of the small catechism. Oh, that'll help me for my, my... I'm taking catechesis this year at the seminary, so uh, this will be good preparation. You need all... Well, animals of the Bible might help you out, too, uh, for living in the dorm. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Now, oh, what time did you wake up more in the morning to think of that one? <laughs> Don't ask. That's been all week, huh? Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, how about I'll go first? Uh, I would uh, let's do let's do uh, what was it? New kind of newfangled cults for a hundred. That's what I would like. Uh, contemporary cults. 
right, I, I don't think I have newfangled, but we'll try this. Oh, so one hundred. All right. The cult that teaches that Earth is one of several inhabited planets ruled by ruled over by gods and goddesses who are at one time humans on other planets. Um. Hey, that sounds to me like Mormonism. You got it, and you were worried about this category too. Well, that's all right. I, I that's the easy one, the one hundred point question. That's true. But that's true. The Mormons have this little couplet where they say, uh, "As as man is now, God once was; as God is now, man shall become." So that in their history of salvation, uh, you, you're progressing from being a human creature to being uh, being a god and. Uh, and God the Father has his own planet uh, where he has all sorts of spirit children. That's where our souls come from. And then when children are born now, God sends those spirit children here to go through the plan of salvation and progress and, and become their own gods. So uh, so that's the Mormon plan of salvation. Doesn't sound much like Christianity, does it? No. Uh, and the, the, the uh, Mormons still would recognize the Ten Commandments, would they not? Sure. So how do they get past commandment number one? You shall have no other gods? Yeah. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to have a Mormon on and ask them that. That's it. That um, sounds like a great idea. It's the next table scratch right there. There you go. Okay. Uh, I will take animals of the Bible for 100, please, Alex. <laughs> for 100. Jesus bids us consider these animals, which neither sow nor reap, and yet their heavenly Father cares for them. Oh. This is the 100 question, too. I know it's a bird. Well, that's right. It's a bird. Is that it? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I thought you were looking for a more specific sparrow or or something. chicken hawk or... uh, (laughs) Consider the birds of the air. Okay. There you go. That's right. Uh, do, that's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, uh, uh, don't worry, uh, God will take care of you. The, the heathens seek after clothes and foods and this sort of thing, but a Christian seeks after the righteousness of God and his kingdom, and all these things are added to him. So, no, you got it, Evan. This is Accidentally a, stumbled on the answer. This is, <laughs> this is an awfully narrow category, too, because uh, limited to, to the animals that are mentioned in the Bible— uh, which is all of them, by the way, when the uh, uh, account of the flood uh, was on the the Noah it was on the ark with Noah. Oh, this is pretty simple. They, this category doesn't get hard till uh, five hundred points. So gather the children. Yeah, and we only have, we only have about here. five minutes left in the segment, so I don't uh-huh. think I have to worry about that. <laughs> all right, your turn. Uh, Two hundred for newfangled cults. <laughs> the cult that teaches that Jesus is not God, but that He is the first and the only creation of God, and the agent through which God made all other things. All right. Uh, these are the uh, the new modern Aryans, uh, which ha- go by the name Jehovah Witnesses. That is right. Hey. Yeah, that's true. You know, Arius, uh, and this might come up in the next game, uh, uh, Arianism a little bit, when we talk about uh, events in church history, but uh, Arius taught that, uh, that Jesus, or the Son of God, was the first creation but not 
of the same essence and substance of God. And the Jehovah Witnesses teach the same thing today, that there's one God, Jehovah, uh, the, who we call the Father, uh, and that the Holy Spirit and, and the Son are not gods. That, of course, is in contradiction to the Scriptures. Uh, and if you want to learn more about this, we ought to post this uh, little um, chart that we have on the Trinity up on our uh, website. Make a note to do that. And, and it's a simple chart that just lists the Scriptures uh, that teach the that have the teaching of the Trinity there. And you can uh, grab hold of that and pass it out to the, your Jehovah Witnesses' f- friends as they come to the door this next weekend. I'm, I'm starting to notice a common denominator amongst the, all these... Uh, um so far, we've had the Mormons and Jehovah's Witness, and as I look through the the future answers of these, I'm noticing that they all somehow uh, mess up the Trinity. We'll see if that uh, that remains true with the, with the cults that we study, um, but that's something to to pay attention to. You know, maybe if if uh, you know somehow you're considering one of these churches, if they're not, if they're not rightly confessing the Trinity, uh, it's a it's a good sign that they're not a Christian church. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, because if you don't have the if you don't have the teaching of the Trinity, then I mean, nothing else can come from that. I mean, that the Father sends the Son to die for our sins, and that the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit to to give us that promise of forgiveness. I mean, this is the very foundation of of the of the gospel and the teaching that saves us. And if and if it falls apart at the very beginning, uh then you can't get to the end which the Lord has for us, which is eternal life. That's right. I'll take Annals of the Bible for 200, please. Okay. The false prophet Balaam got all worked up at this animal who ended up talking back to his rider. Um, I think I know this because uh, some people actually call Pastor Wolfmiller this sometimes. Uh, would, would this be a, a donkey? <laughs> oh, I thought if that was the answer, it was going to be a soaring eagle. <laughs> yes, that's right. A donkey. Balaam's donkey. Who, remember, was the angel the Lord was standing in the way, and he kept going around into the fields and, and, and scraped poor Balaam's knee on the wall, and he gets all starts beating the animal. And finally the Lord opens its mouth and says, Look, you know, I'm trying to save your life here, bub. And, uh, and then, uh, and then you know, anyways, it ends up taking him all the way to Balaam for him to keep doing his false prophet work uh, there. So you got that right for 200, Balaam's donkey. All right, we probably only have time for one more, but that's okay. I'm willing to give you one extra question. So this is like bonus points because I, I won't be able to okay. come back. So that's right. You, you want what, what do you want? Three hundred, four hundred, or five hundred? Pick the best one. What do you think? Okay, here we go. Uh, th- this one's kind of uh, it, it's going to be hard to, to guess just from this, but I'll give you an initial clue if you don't get it right off. Okay, the Colton whose minister said the following. Come, return to your place in the pews, and hear our heretical views. You were not born in sin, so lift up your chin. You have only your dogmas to lose. Oh. <laughs> Come, return to your pews, and hear our heretical views? Yes. That's a nice hymn. All right, I, I'm ready for your hint. Okay. Your promised hint. The, the, the hint is a one-word hint, and the word is tolerance. Tolerance. Uh here I read a views of the Jews and the dogma. 
I don't know. Is this an atheist or something like that? No, this would be Unitarian Universalism. Oh, I sh- oh boy, I should have known that. Uh, yeah, these Unitarians. So th- they, they have no problem saying come here heretical views because in their view there is no heretical view. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, I mean, basically, the answer atheists would work out right because these people don't believe anything. I remember someone said they visited a Unitarian church and they said, oh, maybe I'll bring my gardening gloves next week because we might be out in the garden worshiping Mother Earth. Oh. <laughs> Oh, man. <clears throat> it's a disaster, that church. Uh, uh, but it's true. I mean, uh, they call themselves church, but they don't confess Christ, uh, which is precisely what the Lord Jesus has set his church on earth to do. That's right. Well, right after this, we're, we're uh, playing Name That Century. Again, our new attempt to make church history fun. Uh, but that's right after this break from our sponsors, right back on Table Talk Radio. I want to thank you for listening to the Table Talk Radio podcast. On our website, you will find many features you might find useful, including articles by Pastor Wolf Miller, as well as the Table Talk Radio forum. There you can discuss this show and others with other Table Talk listeners. Just click on the forum link on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Welcome back She's to Table hot. Talk Radio. Pastor Reporter is bringing in the, in the commercial break, singing no, some song. Uh, <laughs> hey, name that century, a brand new game here on Table Talk Radio. You're not going to start over the recording? Oh, man. All right. Plug along. <laughs> Nothing like spontaneous radio. Hey, I'll if you're you singing what. I'm Hot, then uh, we're going to keep plugging away with Table Talk Radio. <laughs> That's radio lingo, by the way, for my microphone and, is and on. And Pastor Rolfer takes great joy in announcing that his microphone is hot. <laughs> I'm hot. Hey, and hot. name that century. Uh, what happens is, is we play uh, back and forth here, Pastor Rolfer and I. We name a, an event that's happened in church history, somewhat of an important event. And the other side is supposed to guess what century that occurred. And so um, it, it should be a, g- a good way to then to look at church history. And in fact, you can try your hand at this right now with Pastor Wolf Miller. Yeah, we have our listener participation game th- to this week is going to be a, a, a name that century uh, game. And so this is simply how it works. You, I'm going to give a, an event, and then you write in or call or uh, send a letter or postcard, a package, uh, cookies or whatever with this answer on it. Uh, when what century this occurred, and then your name goes in a drawing uh, of all the thousands of responses that we get uh, to these questions, and then uh, uh, and then if you win the drawing, you win the book "Christ Have Mercy" uh, by um, by Matt Harrison, uh, the executive director of Lutheran uh, Church Missouri Synod World Relief and Human Care. Uh, "Christ Have Mercy: How to Put Your Faith in Action." It's great. It's a great little book. Okay, the event that you are naming the century for is this, the birth of Martin Luther. That's it. So if you know the century, uh, send it to Evan's yeah, stuff. Uh, He'll tell you I that. actually created an, a new email address specifically for this game. So send it to LPG, listener participation game, LPG at tabletalkradio.org, or call us 866-851-5523. 
And if you are indeed sending in cookies, send them to P.O. Box 223, Yuma, Colorado, 80759. Why do they get to send hey, them to your I'm, address? You wanted me to What's get out the information, so I'm going to give them out the information. <laughs> right. I do have a wife, which is the big advantage of that I actually That's, get cookies. Although your mom probably makes you cookies all the time. Sends you care packages at the seminary um, and stuff like this. So LPG. <laughs> if I know that she does, then I won't get any from our listeners. LPG at tabletalkradio.org or our phone our voicemail message system, 866-851-5523. And uh, do leave a, a way we can contact you if you do your voicemail route. All right, uh, let's get this game going, then. Name that century. Yeah, because it's all tied up from the previous segment, so uh, I think these are progressively worth more points. So start at, uh, at 100, then 200, then 300. Here is the first event for you to guess, Evan, uh, and that is the writing and approval of the Nicene Creed. The Apostles' Creed was first. Yeah, we right? should. Well, well, no one knows exactly when the Apostles' Creed was. Uh, tradition said that it was written by the Apostles, but that's probably eh. so. If that's true, it would be first. But, but you don't see it all the way until a little bit later. So the Nicene Creed actually, because the Council of Nicaea uh, was, you know, a lot of the proceedings and things were written down, and so we have this this kind of firm date of the Nicene Creed. Um, yeah. I'm going to guess. Ah, I, I should know this, too. Uh, I might be wrong. Hopefully none of your professors are listening <laughs> to the show, which I think is a pretty good bet that none of them are. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good bet. Ten people aren't listening. <laughs> well, let's go with uh, the third century. Oh, very close, Evan. You're only off by 25 years. So the date was 325. Uh, for the Ni- Council of Nicaea and the uh, and the Nicene Creed, so that makes it the fourth century. All right, all right, right. Uh, but that was an important council, boy, oh boy, because all through the early church, there, like we talked about the Arians earlier, um, their uh, their uh, their their problem with Jesus that he wasn't that he's not really God, and so the Council of Nicaea is coming out uh, and saying, no, look, this is uh, the teaching of the Scripture here, is that Jesus. Uh, is of the of the very same essence and substance of God the Father, uh, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were created, um, and, and this. So they they hammered all that out, uh, and we see that the confessions of the Church and the creeds and everything are always against the errors that arise, and the Church is by the Holy Spirit has this marvelous privilege of confessing. It's saying the same thing that the scriptures say. Uh, and so the Nicene Creed is a fantastic example of that. By the way, the Nicene Creed that we have now was adjusted twice. The, the, a longer portion regarding the Holy Spirit was added later. And then, uh, and then there's this big controversial filioque, uh, the Holy Spirit, which proceeds from the Father and the Son. That and the Son business came along uh, a little bit later as well and, uh, and was the cause of much consternation. So... Um, uh, so the creed that we confess in church now is the Niceo Constantinopolitan Creed with the Filioque, uh, but Nicene Creed works. Uh, for I, sure. I have a disclaimer to announce. Um, I, I, I've really only taken two quarters at the seminary, and uh, uh, church history has not been in those yet. So um, next year, you know, when, when I've taken church history one, two, and three, I'll be able to come back and show how great of a, a program the Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne has in, in the history department. 
the That's before right. and after. Even though most people kind of probably know yeah. the answer to the one I just missed. <laughs> no, that's all right. Church history is tough. You know, you got to sort out all the stuff and this and that. And I mean, sometimes I remember all these things and then sometimes I forget. That's why we, you know, we play these games. People are playing along. Some people are probably saying, boy, these guys are a bunch of uh, doofuses. <laughs> they don't know anything. Uh, other people, you know, th- but this is how it goes. You know, we get to think about these things and consider them. And, uh, and, and now we know it, you know, all of us uh, listening. We'll remember that date, 325, uh, the date that we'll live. That's right. Well, then, uh, think about this. What century uh, was the work uh, on St. Peter's in Rome? What what year did it begin? Ooh. Great question. The work of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Now, this is probably, I know that uh, John Tetzel, who was out there selling indulgences to support this work, he was kind of the early church consultant uh, fundraiser. Um, <laughs> Which, by the way, tells yeah, us to, to join the Reformation Glee Club. Is that right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You, too, can... Uh, we should have some Tetzel-style That's, that's a great idea. <laughs> when a coin in the, in the coffer rings, a table talk show springs or something. That's not a bad deal. Uh, anyway, uh, so that was right at the time of the Reformation, 1517. Now, the question then to answer is how much before that did the building start? Uh, did it start 10 years before, 20 years before, 50 years before that? Because there's a century line in between there. Um, I'm going to guess that it was fairly recently started when Tetzel was raising the money to finish that sucker. And so I'm going to say the 16th century. How's that suit you, Evan? Uh, pretty good. Uh, what year do you think? Oh, no. Just come on. Getting Just fancy. throw out a All guess. Right. Uh, 1505. 1506. Very good. Hey! 16th century is correct. I was hoping that uh, it was so close to the to the line that you would maybe <laughs> guess 15th century. But did, did not... Uh, good try. Yeah. Good try. So... But that w- that's a hundred points for me, pulling me ahead, bringing the total score of this uh, of this uh, game to three hundred. Evan, the guilty seminarian, has three hundred, <laughs> and I have four hundred. All right, okay. Well, I'm ready for the next one then. Uh, the first teaching of the rapture. When was the rapture first taught? Boy. The modern understanding of rapture is the secret people being zapped into heaven uh, and leaving their false teeth on the airplane seat. That kind of business. When was that first? started see did jesus talk about no um so (laughs) i'm pretty sure the early church didn't teach that i'm gonna guess the uh as late as the 20th century i think it was the 1900s i brought that up so 20th century is my guess oh that's pretty close oh come on (laughs) you're only one century off it was this teaching was started by john nelson darby but you make the point well because it's a brand new teaching Uh, john nelson darby uh of the plymouth brethren was the first guy who taught the secret rapture stuff and his dates are 1800 to 1882 uh and then it's popularized in the schofield reference bible uh which is right around the turn of the century that's 1909 but really, the fir- it comes across then like in the 1860s. So the, the teaching of the rapture is about 150 years old, um, the teaching of this, this silly teaching of the, of the secret rapture. Now, that doesn't make it wrong that it's new. Uh, it doesn't help. It's, it, the teaching of the rapture is wrong because the Bible doesn't teach it. The Bible teaches something totally different. Um, but being new just doesn't, doesn't help the fact. It should alert us to, that, that something's off. Anytime someone says, I've got a new discovery or a new teaching, we ought to look at them uh, with sharp eyes and compare what they say very closely to the scriptures. That's right. Well, we have one minute, so very quickly. Uh, <laughs> the Edict of Milan. Oh, man. Uh, 
Tell me more about it. You want to tell me more about the edict and see if it uh, brings... Th- this is the date that Christianity was legalized uh, That from when the, the early Christians were no longer um, uh, in, in, under persecution uh, around Jerusalem, uh, meeting in house churches, but then able to, to build churches and, and have public worship. Oh, yeah, I should know that. Is Constantine involved in this business? Uh, yeah. Uh, Emperor Constantine gives this edict. Uh, he's um, uh, and he his he's early too. It's got to be. Th- I think it's right in the year three hundred. I'm making it the fourth century. Is yeah, that right? that's right. Three thirteen is when that happens. So three thirteen. All right, right before the Council of Nicaea, which comes not long after, and uh, the emperor was involved in that as well. Uh, so fourth century. Uh, that's great. You know, there's a people make a huge deal out of it, and maybe a, a deal should be made out of it that that's the time when the church uh, and uh, Christianity is becomes not illegal uh, to practice in the Roman Empire, uh, which we praise God for that. That we have that freedom in the in the countries where we have it to call upon God without fear of our heads being caught up, cut off. Uh, of course, if we don't have the Edict of Milan or religious freedom, and we have the threat of having our heads cut off for confessing Christ. Uh, then we also praise God that he gives us the opportunity to confess his name and to, and to spill our blood uh, for the privilege, knowing that uh, whether we live or we, or we die, uh, we are the Lord's. That's right. Okay, don't go away. More Table Talk Radio after this. We're playing Who Wants to Be a Theologian? We'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio right after this. Table Talk Radio has many sponsorship opportunities for you. Perhaps you have a business looking for an online audience, or you're hosting a Lutheran Theological Symposia or Banquet. Sponsorship on Table Talk Radio might be for you. Email us for more information, evan at tabletalkradio.org. All income is for the continuation and expansion of Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Ruffin is still having fun with this radio lingo. Uh, but this section of Table Talk Radio, we're playing Who Wants to Be a Theologian? And I do. I want to be a theologian, Pastor Wolfmiller, so uh, let's see if I can do it. Well, now's your chance. We've got the, we've got the kitty questions out here for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's really rude. Oh, boy. We got the easy questions out here, so again, gather the children around the radio. <laughs> this is to really embarrass you if you, for some reason, miss any of these uh, little questions. You have four questions to answer on your way to being a theologian. So, uh, the way it works is you start as a seminarian, which is somewhat familiar. Wow, that, that's really coming in pretty high. Bottom of bottom of the barrel. That's where you got to start. <laughs> Sorry, uh, for all of you playing along, you just are pretending you're a seminarian. Don't start <laughs> acting like one, driving your car off the road. Uh, or doing any of the other cr- sort of crazy things, staying up all night, uh, r- writing 15-page papers on uh, which direction you're supposed to bow to when there's no uh, freestanding <laughs> altar in the church, and all this stuff. Just, just, and and we want to move out of that quickly to become next a peasant, then a monk, then a then a reformer, and then you get uh, excommunicated. I hope I have enough questions here for all that action. 
Uh, we'll see how it goes. So, are you there, ready? Are there lifelines? Lifelines, yes. The lifelines are uh, call a uh, professor, call a pastor, or call your wife. Which, sorry, say, Evan. <laughs> Could we change that to call your girlfriend? Would that work? That work still or? wouldn't apply, so I don't have to worry <laughs> about right. that. All right. <laughs> I can get by with just two lifelines. All right. Question number one. Who wrote the first epistle of Peter? Is it A, John, B, Mark, C, Peter, or D, Martin Chemnitz? Uh, let's see. <laughs> that is tough. Uh, I know, I I'm know. just going to guess because I don't want to use my <laughs> lifeline yet. Um, but I'm going to go with, uh, I think it was C, Peter. Yes, that's right. Correct. I, I didn't want to make any obstacles for someone to <laughs> stop being a seminarian. <laughs> Thanks. Very good. Very good. Welcome to being a peasant, the rest of the world. All right. Question number two. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of an A, tongue of fire, B, dove, C, Cloud and thunder, or D, a raining storm of Skittles. <laughs> uh, as much as I like Skittles, that sounds pretty good right now. Um, I believe it was a dove. That's right, the sign of a dove, which uh, makes a few appearances in in the scripture. Uh, perhaps the most famous appearance of the dove next to Jesus' baptism is the uh, is Noah's Ark. Where it's the dove who brings back the olive branch, showing that the waters had receded and plant life had come back, and they could, they could unlock uh, the ark and uh, and and get to uh, get to their planting of vineyards. Uh, so, so the dove there stands as a sign of peace, kind of between between heaven and earth, and uh, and as the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus, you have that same kind of picture. And uh, Peter also connects this. Uh, is it Second Peter where he connects the flood to baptism and says, uh, corresponding to the waters of the flood, uh, baptism now saves you, just as the waters of baptism saved uh, the eight on the ark. Exactly right. Uh, saved through water. Now the water. And the amazing thing about this whole uh, water business is that water, especially you see in the ark. Uh, the water brought destruction, but the ark brought salvation. And the same sort of thing happens in baptism. Uh, the water comes and destroys the old Adam, the sinful flesh, and the results of sin, uh, the consequence of the sin, which is eternal death. It takes care of that. Uh, and, and then it also brings the new life and regeneration in the Holy Spirit. Very good. All right, so now that may, you've moved from being a peasant to being a monk. And now you're about to move from being a, a, a monk to being a reformer. Uh, following in the steps of Luther. All Question right. three. When Jesus sent his church to make disciples, he told them to A, baptize and teach, B, serve pizza and Coke with strobe lights, C, preach edgy sermon series on life application topics, <laughs> or D, put a chain link fence around the church with razor wire on top. <laughs> um, I don't know the answer to this one, um, but I know that that uh, the church today, God in, in the church works through word and sacrament, and so um, I'm going to go with then baptizing and teaching. Yes, Is that correct? That's right. So that would be right. answer A: baptize and teach. That's what Jesus sent his disciples to do. It seems kind of boring, though, doesn't it? I, I definitely like some of the other options uh, that you named there. 
um, is some of the tactics some of the churches in America use today. And they'll use, uh, instead of using the the command that, that Jesus gave us uh, to sustain and, and grow his church, to, to simply uh, make disciples and, uh, and to, to baptize, um, they, they come up with their own devices, and um, that doesn't seem to work out so well. No, you're exactly right on that, Evan. It's uh, Most people are using gimmicks and tricks to get people into the church. Uh, and w- if this is you, you have to ask yourself, do, do you believe what the Scripture says about itself, that uh, it does have the power uh, to save, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? And, and it's that Word of God which creates and sustains our faith. So the church really has a simple, simple calling in the world, and that's to preach the Word. That's right. Okay, what am I now? Am I a reformer? Reformer, and you're getting ready to be excommunicated Luther style. So here's the last question. The Lutheran confessions call the distinction between law and gospel A, a great old book by C.F.W. Walther, B, a useless cliché, C, a most brilliant light, or D, a good thing if you're a, a lowly seminarian but can't think of anything better. Well, it is a good old book by Walther. I'm just not sure if that's what the confessions say. Uh, I'm going to use my lifeline here. All right. How convenient that always the lifeline is needed on the last question. <laughs> um, Who are you going to call? Uh, can I call your wife? Is she available? Or <laughs> She is not available. Well, I'm going to throw a curveball. Since you said that it was always convenient that there's a lifeline available on the last one, I'm going to uh, go without the lifeline and become the first person on uh, who wants to be a theologian to go all the way through without using a lifeline, uh, which trumps the efforts and uh, accomplishments of Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, by the way. <laughs> so I'm going to guess uh, for this one, uh, letter C, uh, the most brilliant light. Uh, is that correct? That's right, Evan. That's all right. right. Uh, well, uh, C.F.W. Walther, you mentioned C.F.W. Walther. Uh, he did uh, lecture quite extensively on the proper distinction between law and gospel. But it wasn't until much later, uh, after the uh, Lutheran confessions had been composed and uh, collected into the Book of Concord, uh, that those lectures took place. So he uh, couldn't have been mentioned in, in the Book of Concord. Uh, however, he did, he did have some wonderful lectures, including uh, this statement. He said, Without the proper distinction between law and gospel, the Holy Scriptures is and remains a sealed book. Which means if you can't properly divide law and gospel, the law first understanding that, that we are uh, sinners uh, born into sin, uh, deserving of God's wrath, the incapable of doing what God demands, and finding, our, uh, finding no favor in the eyes of God in and of ourselves. Uh, but uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. So uh, his meritorious works uh, to the cross uh, for us in our place, and that, that righteousness imputed to us uh, is the pure gospel. And uh, to properly divide that law and gospel is essential to understanding the Holy Scriptures. Uh, without that distinction, you read parts of the Scriptures, uh, and uh, they, they just seem to be contradictory. In fact, you, you told me a story about a, a man you met in college. Uh, I met a gentleman who was an atheist, an agnostic, and he handed me a list of biblical contradictions. It was pages, 60 or 70 contradictions in the Bible, and he said, Answer these, and I'll consider Christianity. 
often the the atheists and the agnostics will say that the Bible is, is full of contradictions. In fact, there's an entire encyclopedia called the Encyclopedia of Biblical Contradictions. Imagine then how surprised I was to read the following in the introduction to a book by C.F.W. Walther, the first president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, who was by no means an agnostic or an atheist or a liberal at all. He says this, Comparing Holy Scripture with other writings, we observe that no book is apparently so full of contradictions as the Bible, and that not only in minor points, but in principal matters, in the doctrine of how we may come to God and be saved. In one place, the Bible offers forgiveness to all sinners. In another place, forgiveness of sins is withheld from all sinners. In one passage, a free offer of life everlasting is made to all men. In another, men are directed to do something themselves towards being saved. C.F.W. Walther says that the Bible contradicts itself, that it has two major doctrines, and that these two things fight against each other. How are we to understand it? How are we to sort this sort of thing out? Is it the Bible full of error and wrong? Well, Walther, Pastor Walther continues, This riddle is solved when we reflect that there are in the Scriptures two entirely different doctrines, the doctrine of the law and the doctrine of the gospel. This is the chief thing that we need to come to when we come to the Scriptures. We need to say, see that in one place the Lord condemns our sins, and then in another He freely forgives them through Christ on the cross. That's right, but I'm afraid that's all the time we have Uh, But don't go away after this break on Table Talk Radio. We're going to be playing Bible B with Pastor Scott Stegmeyer, the Director of Admissions at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Stay tuned. More Table Talk Radio right after this. Table Talk Radio. What do you think about Table Talk Radio? You can call into our voicemail system and let us know. 866-851-5523. With this toll-free number, you can call in and tell us what you think about Table Talk Radio. Comments? Questions? We like to address these all on the air. 866-851-5523. The Table Talk Radio voicemail call-in number. Back to Table Talk Radio. We are still on the line with Pastor Scott Stigmeyer of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he's joining us for a little game called Bible Bee. This little game where uh, Pastor Wolfmaner uh, usually is shown up to uh, end up in the game scoreless, um, but that's nothing new. He's starting to get used to that. No, one point I had last time. I know, one point, because we felt sorry for you. It was a pity point. It was a pity point. It was. Okay, true. well, this is how the game works. This is the first time you're listening to Bible Bee. I'll give a, a Bible verse, a different verse to both uh, parties here, and they have to guess which book of the Bible it appears in. Uh, that is worth 100 points. The next round, uh, they get five words from a Bible verse, and then again, guess the, the book of the Bible. That's worth 200 points. Then for 300 points, they get one word, and guessing which, uh, which book of the Bible it appears in. All right, is there, are our candidates ready? Ready. I Okay. All right, Pastor Stegmaier, I will uh, give you your verse first. Okay. And it is this. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Okay, and I'm to give you the book of the Bible? That is correct. That is the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. That is correct. Now, what's uh, what's going on in this this uh, verse, Pastor? Well, you know, this is this, that's actually a wonderful verse to kind of explain the, the life of the church. It, it, what is the church? The church is devoted to uh, the doctrine, the proclamation of God's Word, the teaching of the apostles, the breaking of bread there. Some people might say that that's just a reference to uh, communal gatherings and friendship and fellowship, but I think it's more than that. It, it, it is most likely a reference to the, the sacramental table, uh, which is the body of our and blood of our Lord Jesus. Uh, he's present there. And the prayers, um, you know, I, there's a definite article there, Evan, and so it doesn't just say prayer, actually, in the Greek. It says the prayers. So this, this, this seems to be saying uh, that the, the, the first Christians were devoted to gathering on the Lord's Day, that is, this, on Sunday, um, to to worship, to go to church, to, to hear the the good news preached from the from the pastor, to to gather around the table, to receive the sacrament, and to to sing the liturgy and pray the liturgy together as the body of Christ. Very good. All right, uh, one hundred points for Pastor Stigmeyer then, uh, and now it becomes your turn, Pastor Wolf Miller. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready for another verse from Acts or something like this. Give it to me, Evan. <laughs> yeah, I would expect that. Here it is. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to thee and to thy holy temple. I like how you use the new, the, the King James for my verses, too. Wait, I, I thought you were a regular uh, King James reader. Does that not help? <laughs> I think that was from the message. <laughs> Let's have it again while I was fainting away. What happened? I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to thee and to thy holy temple. I actually use the old uh, uh, New American Standard Bible, which refers back to the old language in certain parts. So. Oh, yeah, for the prayers. So oh, nice. that gives you a little yeah. hint then. Yeah, that does. Look, I think this is, uh, I think, I think this is an, a prayer from exile, and I think it's the prophet Jeremiah. That is, that's a solid guess. Uh, however, it is wrong. <laughs> this is actually from... But it's Je- not a stupid answer. No. <laughs> so now you're still at the level of seminarian then, Pastor Wolfman. <laughs> hey, way to go on not giving an absolutely ridiculous response to that. <laughs> uh, the, the actual answer is uh, Jonah uh, from 2-7. So the, hey, that makes sense. You know, that whole second chapter of the book of Jonah is, is Jonah's prayer from the belly of the whale, and the deep waters are over. I'm in the deep. It's a, uh, it's a, there's some uh, almost baptismal language there, where, uh, or Exodus language, where the Lord uh, covers, uh, rescues his people through the water, but covers the, um, the, the Pharaoh and his armies. And, uh, and so it's a, marvelous, um, it's a marvelous prophecy there, uh, as Jonah prays. Uh, so, so there you go. That's nice, but I don't get any points from it. Yeah, let's take another look at the scoreboard. It's uh, Pastor Stigmeyer, 100. Pastor Rolf Miller with zero. <laughs> What's new? Oh, yeah. All right, so All right. ready for round two? Ready. This is... I guess so. You're going to give me five words? Five words. Five consecutive words? Not necessarily. Okay. <laughs> Not necessarily? What are you changing the rules? Well, All right, let's... Listen, I want to hear what you got. Okay. Well, you'll, you'll, are you ready? Uh, For 200 points, your five words from this particular verse are, Fool, there is no God. Okay. Uh, That is from the Psalms. Right. Yeah. Yes. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God, 
They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds, and there uh, there is no one who does good. Yeah, yeah. You know, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. It, there, everybody is born with this natural knowledge that there that there is a creator, there is a higher being, and you have to be going against your, your natural knowledge, your natural understanding to become sort of an atheist and deny the reality of, of God. Uh, that's why it says the, you're a fool if, if you say that. Um, a lot of times people today have that reversed, and they think that you're a fool if you claim to believe in God or be a religious person or Christian. But truth be told, everybody, no matter what culture, no matter how primitive or how advanced, you know, they say there are no atheists in foxholes, and that's true, because when it push comes to shove, everybody kind of knows, they, they can't not know, that there is a lawmaker, a lawgiver, a creator, someone who has created this amazingly beautiful and complex world, that, and, and, and the beauty and the majesty of it. Uh, one can't look at the, the night sky without just singing praise to... Uh, uh, be, we may not know too many of the specifics about that, that, that deity, but we, we can't not know that he exists. That's right, and uh, that brings you up to 300 points. And uh, round two for Pastor Wolfmother, who now has zero points. Still, I still have zero. Right, right, right. Are you ready, then? For these five words, though, I'm sure I'm going to finally get one right. Yeah, I don't know if I'll put yours in order or not. Oh. Just, kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. They are. A word scramble? <laughs> oh, man. Here it is. Your five words are, Lord covered da- daughter of Zion. What? Lord, Lord what? covered daughter of Zion. Lord covered daughter of Zion. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for the common one here. Uh, I don't know. You know what verse has a lot of covering in it? Or what book is the book of Isaiah? Uh, so I'm going to say Isaiah. How about that? Hey, good guess. Only wrong. <laughs> <laughs> He's good at getting these wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm a professional. Trained professional. Yeah. This well, at is, least you know, do what you're good at, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where did this one come from? This is actually uh, Lamentations 2.1. How the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with the cloud in his anger. He has cast from heaven to earth the glory of Israel and has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. I'm just glad your points don't go negative when you miss. <laughs> <laughs> the Isaiah text I was thinking of is how it says this, this covering of death covers the people and the Lord has lifted it off. That's a beautiful text too. So, of course, uh, Lamentations written by the prophet Jeremiah to lament the destruction of Jerusalem and the Lord's anger on his people there. But of course, there's some beautiful law in the text where, uh, excuse me, some beautiful gospel in the text where it speaks of the Lord having mercy on his people. But I, it looks like we're running out of time here, so we better get to the last round, which is one word. Right, one word. Okay, Pastor Stigmeyer. Uh, by the way, real quick, the score is uh, 300 to 0. Uh, Pastor Stigmeyer is in the lead. And uh, your one word, then, is Ananias. Ananias? <laughs> the name Ananias. That's right. Well, um, gee whiz there, Evan. I'm going to guess the book of Acts again. Did you give me another passage from the book of Acts? It's true. Another one from Acts. <laughs> You're good. I thought I was going to trick you with, with looping back on sure Axe again. Gonna, I didn't, never would have dreamed I was going to get this one right. <laughs> yeah, me either. Now, Ananias uh, was uh, sent by the Lord to, to meet uh, Saul, who, the, who then becomes the Apostle Paul. So, all right, uh, Pastor Wolfman, are you ready for your one word? 
I'm ready. I'm, this is actually happen? really hard to find one word that only occurs that's not obvious, you know, in, in the rest of Scripture. Uh, and so, I I might be wrong. This this might appear somewhere else. I might give you a point or two if you guess another book. But your one word is constellations. Constellations? Yeah. Huh? Really? That's in the Holy Scriptures. You're going to give me that word? Yeah. What about Second Corinthians? Second Corinthians, huh? What are you thinking of with con- that's not what I had. What did you have for Second Corinthians? Well, I was just thinking of um, uh, this business of Second Corinthians chapter one, where it says, uh, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort, uh, the Father of all mercies, the God of all comfort, who who comforts us in every tribulation, that we might uh, comfort those with the same consolation which we ourselves have received in Christ." That's uh, that's the verse I was thinking of. Oh, uh, not consolation, constellations like stars. <laughs> Jeez. No wonder. Constellation. <laughs> oh, bro. Well, that's what I thought you said, but I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> I was like, how does second oh, career... You thought he said constellation too? I and now I was going to give Evan a new nickname, the uh, 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 Evan the bad pronunciation gate line. <laughs> I was like, how does but, that? But you heard it too, so it must be my own ears. Okay, <laughs> constellation. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Job, Book of Job. There's constellations in the Book of Job. Well, you you might be right about that. I have to look that up for sure because I don't want to pull out a uh, a concordance. But uh, Isaiah uh, thirteen ten says, "For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light." So, so I get an undetermined amount of points for that? Yeah, we'll look it up, and, and we'll we'll post it on our website or something, whether or not you got points on this round or not. It really doesn't matter, though, does it? Uh, <laughs> Pastor Stigmeyer comes out with 600 points, which is a clear uh, victory on this one. So. Pastor yeah, Stigmeyer, I, I, th- I killed you. Thanks for, thanks for uh, being on Table Talk Radio today. It's a pleasure. God bless. Uh, you too. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Uh, listen again, same time, same place, uh, right here, for more fun on Table Talk Radio. Thank you.